Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 178 of the Beyond 90 podcast, Australia's longest-running women's football podcast. Unfortunately, Madge is feeling ill. Get well soon, Madge. And hope we're hoping, fingers crossed, that Dell can join us later. But for now, it's just the two of us, me, Eric Subihano, and Emma Burke. So, Emma, we've got lots to chat about. And even though it's near the end of the year, there's still somehow a lot of national team news. It's just apparently... This never, ever stops. But for, before we get to all that, how has your week been? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been good, um, as as it usually is with, with football, ups and downs, swings and roundabouts. Um, but yeah, no, some lots of good news, especially coming from the Matildas. Um, mm-hmm. We finally got some announcements out of them. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been all right. Yes, now... I feel like Dale has just seen my message, so I may have time starting recording absolutely perfectly. Now I'm going to talk a little bit slower to, in the hopes that he will come on. Bright as we're discussing uh, today's featured Matilda, Cap 178, very familiar to lots of you, I'm sure, Alana Kennedy. Matilda's debut back in 2012, her grassroots club. Shout out to the Campbelltown Cobras down in the far southwest of Sydney. 119 appearances nine goals and immediately I think none more important than that 92nd minute equalizer against Thailand in the 2018 Asian Cup semi-final. Thanks so much, Alana. And yes, her position is she is a defender, although although as I go off on a tangent, I remember binge watching old NPL New South Wales highlights during a COVID lockdown and seeing her very much in almost the number 10 role for Marconi Stallion. So that may explain where that technical ability is. That, that would explain where the technical ability has come from. So, I mean, you have so much choice when talking about Lani, but where would you start, Emma? Um, I mean, I have very fond memories of, of Kennedy because I believe she did a short stint at uh, Melbourne City. She did. And that was a good time for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she's been with Manchester for a while now. She was with the Spurs before then mm-hmm. and then did the whole circuit of Australia, really. Yes, she um, oh, yes. Yeah, and she did, she did a bit of the back in ye olden day where they used to go straight from playing in the dub back to the NWSL in the US mm-hmm. and then back to playing in the dub and the but she did she did that and for a while as well. Lot, yeah. Um but oh sorry, why am I even going on this tangent? The free kicks. The free mm, kicks. Yes. What it... oh no, yeah, she has like excellent free kick delivery that is always fun to watch. Um I love when especially when it's for the Matildas and not for any other team when mm. <laughs> um, a spot like a free kick has been given. I'm like, Oh my God, it's an AK territory. We might get a banger. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I think in the last few years or so, she's more so come into her own, especially in the national team. Um, and I think playing alongside Claire Hunt has been mm. really, really good for her. Um yeah, and you could, well, I mean, you could tell just how important she was after she got concussed and had to miss those couple of games at the tail end of the World Cup. So, yeah, she's just a very dependable defender outside of the few clangers she is known to have. But those are becoming further and fewer in between. In between so, yes. Yes, I am glad that, that yes, I do, I do have. A little bit of Ke- Kennedy PTSD, but yeah, that's that. With every day that passes, it gets uh, pushed further and further into the back of my brain. And it's good, and of course, playing for Manchester City. Well, it's just well, you know. I mean, it's if you're able to start for them. Well, I mean, you definitely can't be a bad player if you start for them. I'm just looking at her um, Wikipedia page. Yeah, she did. She did. As this was um a lot common, very in the early years of the dub. Thankfully, this seems to be a little bit less common now, but even some of the biggest players just basically uh, basically almost like spinning the roulette wheel when deciding who to play for in the upcoming season. So we've got Sydney FC, Jets, back to Sydney FC, Wanderers, Perth Glory, back to Sydney FC, Melbourne City, then Sydney FC again. Now, ah, and you can see 
possibly related to our earlier point about um, the clang has become fewer and fewer. It seems that that may has coincided with her getting proper full-time professional contracts, or maybe it's not a coincidence. Who's to say? Yes. But <laughs> it's, yeah, I think, yeah, you mentioned the free kick taking ability. I, I always think about her ability to get out of trouble because of, you know, I mentioned her background as a midfielder, but yes, just, uh, yeah, we, I do love a ball playing center back and, Yes, it's always good when um they can. That's it's good to see that the days of the centre backs like bombing it into the stand under the slightest hint of pressure are far beyond that. That that's definitely what not what Alana Kennedy is still, and at her age doesn't turn twenty nine until next month. Already, I think she's a dub centurion, isn't she? She did that. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, and I think it's a sign of how highly she was rated when I first started paying proper attention to women's football she was 21 already had 50 caps and 50 double appearances and like with the short dub seasons i was like what how it's it? yes but anyway yeah anyway and uh like uh long may continue because um yes center backs can't really have too many of them like i'd rather i it i'd rather i'd rather be stressing over who which center backs to leave out of your national team squad than wondering where they all are so my god yes. that, oh, yeah yeah that's yeah that, 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 was, that was a rough time oh yes it's still it like it's still kind of ends like mm-hmm. anytime someone's like oh a selection who's going to be the defenders i still am a little bit like who's who's going to be <laughs> yes, <I do. laughs> who, who is <laughs> it? But hopefully mm. hope hopefully like kennedy keeps going on and you mentioned claire hunt and then we've got yeah. defenders coming on but yeah we, we love the defenders here on this podcast and lana kennedy's definitely one of them now, uh, the hottest topic of the day, uh, it's announced uh, where the Matildas will play their home Olympic qualifier against Uzbekistan. So that'll be at Marvel Stadium on Wednesday, the 28th of February. That's, of course, a two-leg affair. The first leg is in Uzbekistan on Saturday, the 24th of February. So shout out in advance to all the sports scientists and logistics staff that have to look after all of this such that Matildas will be in tip-top shape despite all the travel. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'd be loving the choice of venue, Emma. That go, that's yes. very let's, Captain Obvious stuff for me. Let's go Melbourne. But, yes, Melbourne, my best and, friend. And um, the choice of venue. How do you feel about Marvel Stadium? Have you watched <sighs> football there? Ah, deep um, side. So, so you're like, so you might be similar to Madge in this respect. I'm pretty sure that's where they had the the send off game uh, against they, France. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so yeah. and I was at that. Yeah. Um, and I was in the press box for that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And from there, the view was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't really, I can't really vouch for anyone. <laughs> yeah. I, like I was having a really good time. There was like, they had snacks for us mm-hmm. and like drinks. Um, and the view was good, but I don't, I don't really know how I feel. I, it's like the same line that everyone gives like a rectangle sport being played on an oval Mm. pitch is just eh, like it doesn't do too much for like the atmosphere I feel because everyone feels very far away but um it was like it was fine I guess for the France game um if anything, the real thing is going to be how the the actual pitch turns up because there's going to be, I think, pink oh, yeah. concerts like yeah, a few days pink, beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good luck to the ground staff there to <laughs> for that job because um, there'll probably be lots to say if anything does go wrong about that. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm very happy that it's in Melbourne. Very happy indeed. And the fact that we've already sold, I think, 25,000 tickets yep. is yes. is pretty, it's still pretty incredible. Like, I know we had crazy crowds at the World Cup, but that's the World Cup. This yeah. isn't. So 25,000 already gone is is nice. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Marvel, it, like, it's a nice venue. It's not a football venue, though. Mm. I mean, it's an AFL yeah, football yeah, yeah. venue. It's not, a, it's not a real football. There we go. I that's shouldn't say that. It, that's... I shouldn't say because I'm from Melbourne, but it's not like a it's not a football football oh. venue. Yeah. But I get it because the demand is so high that they mm. like Amy Park is like it almost feels small. 
now, Amy, because mm. I'm so used to it being sold out for the Matildas <laughs> <laughs> or like close to, which is so strange to say. But it, it'll be good, I think. Regardless, it'll be good, even if the pitch isn't, or like the choice of venue isn't, I guess, the first sort of choice, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be my first Melbourne choice. I was I was hoping, well, I mean, firstly, because I'm selfish, I was hoping it would be at Allianz Stadium in Sydney. But then if it was going to be in Melbourne, I was hoping for a heaving, another heaving, another cauldron-like atmosphere at um, the Misses, as I believe it's known. The Misses. Swan Street. We, we do love the Misses. Yeah, yeah. Dale likes to call it Swan Street, but uh, Amy Park, just 30,000. Um, almost, almost feral Matildas fans trying to oh. scare the life out of Uzbekistan. That's what I wanted. But see, we'll that that is, but I mean, I guess if we get what like sixty thousand people, yeah, into Marvel, it won't mm. be like I'm not, I'm not going to be that mad. Like, oh no, 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 no. yes, oh no, <laughs> I all remember. these people grown up. Yeah, oh, <laughs> d- 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 this large right. number. Oh, that's yeah, that that's terrible. But <laughs> I, I. It's it's only six and a half years ago when the Matildas selling out Penrith Stadium, which is sixteen to seventeen thousand, was a mm-hmm. massive deal. Now we're looking at um, possibly sixty thousand for a you know with the greatest respect of to Uzbekistan, not a premium opponent. So mm. great stuff. Long may it continue. Yes, you are right. Pink has a concert uh, February twenty third and twenty fourth, so five and four days before the game. So while the Matildas are recuperating, please, hopefully, someone can recuperate that pitch because uh mm-hmm. you know it uh it'll be necessary but uh yeah i bit. just um it's that win that and then they're off to paris in the olympics and i think mm. we should talk about the graphic that matilda socials have posted well i think we'll mention them a bit later but just um and of course, the first of I think three mentions we have for Kieran Yap today, where he, his comment we've embedded this in the show notes. I really like this graphic. It sort of makes it look like the Matildas have conquered France because they have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really liked that tweet. I also really liked the tweet from um, Marissa Lodanik, who writes for ESPN and is on the brilliant podcast, The Far Post Pod, yes. um, where she edited the image to have the um, Melbourne Art Spire over. <laughs> Over the Eiffel Tower instead. (laughs) The real Eiffel Tower, um, (laughs) I should say. I really like that tweet as well. But yeah, no, they've definitely, we've done, we've, France, I barely know her. Like we've been there, done that. (laughs) Yes, Yes, it's, we, we have been to a semi-final of a World Cup, France. And done that. Yes. Ah. I mean, do we have? I I don't think we have any French listeners, so that should be all right. <laughs> Let's hope we'll find out. Oh, if, oh if we, there we, are. We'll, we'll definitely find out. Yes, and we'll find right. out soon. Mm. Like now, uh, of course, more good Matilda's news. Uh, ESPN. Oh yeah, what a segue, Marissa, former for Beyond Ninety alumnus Marissa Lordanic writes for ESPN, and her outlets did their top fifty women's players of twenty twenty three. Now, uh. Firstly, shout out to my own self-interest. Katie McCabe, number 24, our Irish queen, our captain. Well done to her. And uh, by the way, I liked her position being defender slash midfielder slash forward. So her, Katie McCabe's position, yeah, basically on the field. On <laughs> that, at, Katie McCabe, outfield player. That That's, yeah, that's, that's as much as you're getting. <laughs> but uh, of course, yeah, um, no, that most was, of you will be more interested. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, most of you will be more interested in the four Aussies, of course. Uh, Sam Kerr, Ellie Carpenter, Steph Catley, and Caitlin Ford. So that's very Arsenal, at least in the play- terms of the players we mentioned. But uh, yeah, no, no surprises. Aitana Bonmati, number one. Oh my God, who saw that coming? Not me. I'm shocked. I thought, yes, I... Yeah, I thought overall it was quite a solid, hmm. a solid list. So I I love I do love the shout out for Steph Catley because I feel like she never really gets her due, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Best left back in the world. Like, why aren't we talking about it more? I have been saying this since like 20, I want to say 16, maybe mm. 2015. Mm-hmm. Like Lucy Bronze, who, in my opinion. Mm, in my yes. opinion. Yes. Who is she? Don't know her. I mean, given her name, maybe she could be the third best fullback in the world. So it would mm. sound about right. 
Yeah. It would. Yeah. I mean, of course, this kind of thing happens at World Cup here. Linda Carcedo, great, fabulous, wonderful, maybe not fourth. That seems the a bit premature. World but, Cup tax. I mean, yeah, but yes. That, World, the World Cup, Cup I mean, I feel like she, she may be one in the not very distant future, so... Yeah. Mm. We'll we'll get used to seeing her high up on the list. But yeah, we've of course linked in the show notes so you can see the whole uh fifty. And of course, uh we like talking about all our national teams, not just um the senior ones. So the young Matildas drawn with Uzbekistan, South Korea, and Taiwan for the group stage of the under twenty Asian Cup. That's March three to sixteen in Uzbekistan. We're getting a lot of Uzbekistan, apparently. We really are. Sydney FC were there. Sydney yeah. FC were there recently, but it's like... yeah, one of those things. Um, hmm. But yeah, just like we, I mean, default, the two sweetest words in the English language, but I would love it if we qualified properly for an under 20 World mm-hmm. Cup this time. And that's yeah. uh, the next stage. So, uh, I mean, going off reputation, South Korea, the toughest opponent, but you know, you got, I mean, they're all capable of troubling us. So, mm. fingers crossed for that. And I look forward to receiving streaming details about 45 minutes before the kickoff of the opening yes. game. That's... I was, I was going to, like, that's very generous of you, giving them 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and then our other national team, and national team which won a title recently, great news, the Paramatildas N2023 ranked number one in the world. How good is that? A women's national team ranking where the US isn't top. We love to see it. And of course, after their... um. Glorious victory over uh, Japan in the final of the Asia Oceania Championships. They've gotten enough points. Uh, I was actually lucky enough for work to talk to one of the Paramatildas for an article, um, Anne-Marie de Oriate, who was still 15 at the time of the tournament. She only turned 16 afterwards, but apparently good enough to set up goals in the final of the Continental Championship. I mean, we we do that. We did take Ellie Carpenter to the Olympics when she was 16. Yes, yeah. So, and, uh, yes. you know, it's like, yeah. like yeah, they're young, but... Yes. Uh, yeah. Parasports, I feel like that's... That's well, kind of back to my point about how we used to do this in able-bodied football when there was smaller player pools. Well, para football, like, mm. the player pool being as small as it is. Oh, for those Even. that don't know... um. The team, yeah, very small. The the team for uh, people with cerebral palsy, acquired brain injury, or symptoms of stroke. So that's how, you, and obviously you can't develop a talent pool when those are the eligibility rules. So it's just word of yeah. mouth and uh, spreading the word of para sports. And I think as as the thing things like this and the increased visibility of the para matildas will only help. I've noticed in state teams for the men's that like the age range can be like thirteen to forty five. So it's just about. Who is Whoa. eligible? Yeah, it's yeah. They get yeah. once they discover someone, it's like well, get them in now because that's we. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a real struggle to find numbers and some of the things yeah, that these no, people imagine. have done with driving like two and a half three hours to training just because that's where that's where the other people with similar uh our mm. other para athletes are. So you know they certainly deserve everything that they get. The para Matildas now. On to the dub, uh, round eight, the last round before Christmas. So uh, just briefly run through the scores. Mariners won, Melbourne City won, Melbourne Victory 2, Canberra nil, Adelaide 2, Wellington 1, Newcastle 4, Western United 2, Brisbane 1, Wanderers 1, and Perth nil, Sydney nil. Would you like to guess which one of those games was the only one I watched in full? Yes, Perth versus Sydney, because that's the kind of decision making <laughs> I'm famous for on this podcast. Emma, I mean, you actually covered... Um, victory versus Canberra so we might as well start mm-hmm. there and probably good to get a Canberra loss out of the way with Dale not here yeah probably um yeah the victory Canberra game was interesting um so victory scored their first goal about halfway through the first half um and it looks like it was on track for just like a sort of you know classic victory win and then very early in the second half, um, the goalkeeper for Canberra, Chloe Lincoln, made a challenge on Rachel Lowe uh, outside of the box mm. and took her out and saw a red card for it. So she got sent off and then Canberra had to take out one of their outfield mm. players and send in their second goalkeeper. Um, 
what was interesting to me, at least, was that the second goal that Victory scored by um, Korea Okino, who I think is coming into some really good form, um, it was the same sort of situation as the challenge that got uh, Lincoln sent off. Mm. So the, the goalkeepers both went to make a challenge on a player that was coming at them with the ball. But in the second time it happened, uh, Aquino was able to step around the keeper and fire into an open net. If anything, honestly, um, given that Canberra were down to 10 players, victory really should have been able to score more. So shout out to Canberra's defense and the goalkeeping, honestly, really good stuff. Um, But yeah, I think, yeah, victory should probably be a bit disappointed in that, that they didn't go like four nil up because they really should have. Canberra even had a couple of bright spots uh, attacking, even though they were down to 10. So not, I don't like they looked very different from the team last week that flattened Brisbane. Um, but I don't I don't think they're completely done for yet. Yeah, we'll see in a couple not, weeks' time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, as we were discussing off pod, Canberra is very, very, very young. It's like yeah. I feel my joints creaking every time I read <laughs> one of their team lists. But so you got and it's just, so you have Michelle Heyman and Cote Rojas, and then and then a bunch of people born this century, effectively. And then also, by the way, and like the the people born in the nineties, it's what Nikki Flannery, Sarah Clark, and Cannon Clough. Apologies if I've missed anyone, but it's it's a very young team, a team where twenty year old Emma Ilioski is the vice captain, and it doesn't actually sound ridiculous. It's like, oh yeah, yeah no, she's she's got the experience. That, it checks yeah. out. It checks out yeah. so hard. Yes. So, I mean, as as I know a lot from watching Institute and the Football New South Wales and the in, Institute and the Jets and NPL New South Wales, and also from being around young people generally, yet the, the consistency is not there, but, you know, as long as you see a general upward trend, they'll have, like, young teams can have games like this, but, you know, there's still 14 rounds to go. Hey, that's how, that, that's how long the entire season used to be, so... That's Plenty so of time crazy. for them to climb the table. Yeah, I just I just realized that as I was as I was looking at it, and wow. actually they have more than fourteen games left to go because they have a game, they have a catch up game against Sydney um, huh. early in the new year. So, they have all the time in the world. Yeah, this That's like so crazy. Yeah. If this was last season, they would be dead in a ditch. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Okay, so by the way. Apologies to everyone who is hoping to hear Dale's dulcet tones. Uh, not this week. It's just he's had, yes, he's had a big day at work. So, yeah, so it will just be the two of us to the finish. But hopefully you will be able to hear Madge and Dale uh, next week. Hopefully everything is good with the two of them. So, uh, yes, I'll talk about Perth Sydney. Firstly, Morgan Aquino, just player of the match, fairly comfortably uh, foiling Sydney and, you know, stopping them uh, getting a point from their longest away trip. Uh it, I think, you know, again, as the Aparkas era continues at Perth, they're very well set up. This is the kind of game last year, I feel like a goalkeeping performance like that wouldn't have been enough, but they just, you know, enough, uh, basically making the chances difficult enough uh, that City couldn't convert. Courtney Vine came out at halftime. She was marshaled pretty well. Uh, from a personal point of view, I was on the Twitter late, um, uh, late at night and uh, called two futsal games earlier in the day not really concentrating two futsal grand finals actually but but you know i was scrolling through the twitter and uh discovering the presence of a small but you know apparently quickly growing tory tumith fan base and i absolutely love to hear that so i just did her playing in her home city feels so right with a pop with the greatest of respect to melbourne city and i think this is this is the way basically as i read out on a previous podcast future matilda's captain screenshot bookmark it it'll happen but Anyway, nil all. Well, she helped them keep a clean sheet. Also, uh, did you watch much of the the, the other games? I saw a bit um, of the Mariners Melbourne yeah, City game, so um, and I think Mariners did really well keeping. Like uh, they went ahead, actually. Mm-hmm. They scored first, so yeah, they they did really well bringing it to Melbourne City, um, and City are very lucky to have a player like Rebecca Stott. Mm in their ranks 
um because she's the one who scored the goal to level it out for them um but i didn't see much of anything else the newcastle western game i did see mostly through social media because i think i was Mm. working at the Mm. time it was on and that looked like that like went off yes (laughs) classic uh van eggland situation Mm. there yeah where she just kind of makes things happen yeah. and of course a goal from serena bolden never hurts so um probably oh, a good way for yeah. van eggman to finish her her full game stint yeah with newcastle also, yeah. As, as someone who has been to number two sports ground a few times the atmosphere would have been you know incredible with the emily van eggman send off and then once the mm-hmm. the way once the game went the way it did serena bolden's goal is amazing it's just yeah just like and and I mean, I know she was contracted at the start of last dub season, which is why she came in a bit late to the Wanderers. But then it, apparently she was just, I, I don't know what she was doing, just chilling after the World Cup, just unsigned. And then been. Newcastle were like, oh, she not signed. Oh, well, we could change that. <laughs> I, so, it, yeah. but, I can't imagine like having gone to a World Cup and then just being like, yeah, I'm just hanging out. Yeah. Like, why wasn't every single team like throwing contracts at her? Yeah. I don't. I still don't understand it. Yeah. It's thankfully, she has one now, so we get to see things like this. Yes. And uh, yes, set up a goal for Lauren Allen. By the way, I, I've always liked Lauren Allen. Just you know, the kind of consistency. If she she loves that darting run in behind the fence and then just rolling into mm. the bottom corner. It's like a very Lauren Allen finish. And yeah, like a player. I mean, obviously from the Hunter Valley, but yeah, I think the kind of player, like not the biggest star, but you know, the kind of player you need to fill out your squad, just kind of local players who, you know, will always put in a hundred percent. Lauren Allen also works very hard defensively. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, everyone needs to attack and defend. So it's kind of an underrated trait for wingers such as herself. Also Brisbane won, Wanderers won. Firstly, Madge isn't here, but we will shout out the Raw Corps. Uh, happy presenting the fan gift of a raw core bucket hat to the entire team. Uh, Jenna McCormick particularly thrilled and said as much on social media, but uh, yes, that's uh, good to see uh, this level of fan support. The raw core have been doing great job, a great job for many years. And of course, cause it's Brisbane in a summer comp. So conditions, not always the best, but yes, uh, long may match continue to bang that drum. And, you know, I think they add a lot of color and flavor to uh, any Brisbane home game. Uh, one all draw there. So Sophie Harding continuing. Just it's she's she appears to have figured it out. Like now she's a very fast person that also scores. So that's that will sound terrifying for anyone for um, all the other defenses. I Adelaide two Wellington one. Well, I mean I haven't hit my Mackenzie Barry bias here, but that that did sting a little bit. Wellington. Uh, by the way, uh, taking the lead through Emma Main, the main train, which meant we saw the greatest gift in football social media again. Thanks, Wellington social media. But yeah, just <laughs> not taking care of their chances and then not taking their chances. Mm-hmm. And then I think the almost the first error I've seen Riley Foster make all season for the goal that proved to be Adelaide's winner from that free kick. So, but it's, you know, they're, they're also quite, still quite a young team. And now, Wellington have kind of a different pressure now. They look. They've been talking about being talked about as a team that can make finals, can possibly win something. So it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see how they handle a different kind of pressure. That's all of the things we've spoken about. Uh yes. So now, uh yes. This is wouldn't be the Beyond Ninety podcast without sad stuff. So I think we have to get this out of the way. Uh, another Beyond Ninety alumnus, Sam Lewis, wrote for the ABC. About you know, pretty horrific stuff. A study showing one in five women's World Cup players were targeted by online abuse during the tournament. So, as always, link in the show notes mm-hmm. to find out more. And you know the unfortunate but appropriate feature image, which is Ellie Carpenter's error, which led to Lauren Ham's goal in the semi-final, which led to Ellie Carpenter copying some frankly despicable stuff. But it's just one of the things we have to think about with as these players kind of get the limelight they deserve is stuff like this happens. I don't know if you had any particular thoughts about this, Emma. Um, Mostly was like just reading all of it. I also read, oh, who was it by? Meg, um, Meg Linehan. Yeah. Is that how you say her last name? Linehan, yeah. From The Linehan. Athletic. Yeah. Um, 
for the athletic about the US and the abuse that they've faced because they were I think mm. the top team to face the most abuse mm. the, by like, quite a distance which is yeah 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 and definitely wasn't helped by the like inflammatory comments that were made by their own like media mm. like certain media personalities um but the whole like every time i read this stuff all i can think is like have have we ever tried being normal like have we ever considered just being a normal person mm. and and not being deranged online which is quite a bit of like like it's quite rich for me to mm. say don't be deranged online mm. but i mean deranged in a horrible way not in a funny way mm. um same yeah way. just yeah. like just get a burner account and tweet into the void and don't use people's names if you're going to be nasty. Jeez, have you never been online before? Um, yeah, it's just like it's just boring and I hate it, but it's particularly worse, I think, for the women's game because not only do you have people slagging you off for being like what they see a shit footballer, you then have to add on top of it misogyny as well which we are never going to escape. Mm. Um, and then you can add on top of that homophobia and on top mm. of that racism. Like it just, it never ends because the women's game is so, um, I guess, more accepting to like being LGBT and such. You have so many more levels of awful that people can go to and will go to. I think Australia was, I think the fifth, country like top five to cop yeah. the most abuse mm -hmm. so go go us yeah. um i think one of the things that really really upset me was about how many of the accounts that the abuse was coming from had verified identities like these are like it's not like spam it's not a bot account like it's actually a there's actually a real person out there who has taken enough time out of their day to get so mad about something that maybe they probably didn't know existed like three months before the World Cup started and is just sending vile garbage to people that, like, no one deserves that. I don't I don't understand it. Did your mother never tell you, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all? Like, it's just, ugh. Yeah, it does my head in. It's and I think they were saying there were two players that copped the most. One was an American, yep. which I would unfortunately have to hazard a guess at it being Megan Rapino. Mm. Um, and one of them was an Argentinian player, which mm. surprised me. I'm not too sure who that would be, but regardless, undeserved. Get a grip, everyone. Get a grip. I wish people would like I understand that they're doing stuff with like social media platforms about monitoring it but sometimes it really it feels like it's still not enough because mm. I'm still like I still see it everywhere it's crazy it's crazy yeah I don't have much to add although I'd say if you if you have to say it just just do it in the group chat and get it out of your system. Right. But... Be be normal. Yes. Like, I mean, back to the carpenter thing. She knew she made a mistake. Why are you going yeah. to tell her that? What are, what are you adding? He, are you a coach? You're not. Stop. She doesn't need Robo underscore three two X one two with a picture of a Ute as his profile telling her she sucks or that she screwed up. Come on. <laughs> You think someone that's been playing at the highest level of football possible since she was 16 mm. doesn't know? God. Yes. So, yeah, I would encourage yeah, to, people to read that article or similar articles as such, like the one Emma mentioned, written by Mick Linhan, if you haven't already, but link in the show notes. Now, something like less disgusting, but still an annoying topic, um, the... Uh, I think linked to something from the PFA about the APL's new approach to mitigating the effects of heat during summer. I mean, it's good. It's annoying that it's taken this long because I remember last year and how angry I was actually about 
this exact time of year about things like uh, a Wanderers, a game between the Wanderers and Adelaide United. Uh, Western City played in what felt like an oven. And I was like, this is Mm -hmm. utterly ridiculous and the quality is terrible. And aren't we trying to create like a product people want to watch? Well, it's not, ain't going to be good if it's 38 degrees or whatever it is at kickoff. But the main summary is, main summary is, you know, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. kickoff's gone. So earlier standalone fixtures scheduled will be 5 p.m. if the get- matches don't have adequate lighting for night broadcast requirements. But yeah, they're trying to keep it at 6 p.m. I think it's it's actually worked so well. We're still in the still early in the season, but I think it's been a little bit better. Though still nowhere near perfect. Oh, and just oh, and just in case you notice, uh, in case you notice this, uh, this doesn't apply to Wellington Phoenix's home matches because it. They're in New Zealand and they don't get the heat we do. So basically, but lucky them. Yes, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like I don't. It's again another Captain Obvious thing for right. me. Yes, the summer is hot, so I don't know really know what to say here. But just it's um, I I don't know what else they could do. I mean, six six can still be quite hot mm. in the summer. Yeah. So oh, yeah. certain games, especially, and I think this is more relevant in our home cities, especially with, between teams, easy driving distance from each other, if that makes sense. So any of the three Melbourne teams, but I mean, even for me, the two, the two Sydney teams, Central Coast, Newcastle, and even Canberra, really, like you can, you can push these kickoffs back seven, seven thirty if it's between two of those teams if it's a new south wales derby if that makes sense it's like and mm. it, that it would be so much better uh the other thing that annoyed me about wondrous adelaide it was baking that was a 4 p.m kickoff i was actually um the philippines were holding a training camp in at wondrous hq they'd set up a game against papua new guinea that kicked off at 7 p.m same field straight after the wondrous adelaide game temperature was lovely and i was and that made me even angrier <laughs> so no the 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 prime the 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 primary tenant I don't know the the owner whatever you want to call it the facility has screwed over their own team but someone renting it has gotten the better conditions <sighs> strange football but yeah yeah it just yeah the whole like I'm glad that they have this now but really did I did we need to do a whole investigation to find out that it is hot at three pm yeah like I'm pretty sure the bomb weather app tells you that yes it does yeah. And uh, the more wondrous memories. There's actually from the early years of the dub. Um, there was a game against Brisbane at Penrith that is like a horror story they tell to new ball kids about. It was so hot they basically had to rotate them around the pitch and then like um, actually have them sp- spend part of the game indoors because there were you couldn't expect kids to kids to be in the sun for 45 minutes oh and there was a thunderstorm delay during that game as well so it's like the worst possible scenario yes something 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 child abuse something Mm, well yeah Mm. yes i don't know yeah well let's let's move on before we get some kind of litigation but yeah i heard this and i thought i was uh, just gonna say i'm not i heard heard the story and i was like this is uh, i i don't know why i'm hearing this story but anyway Oh dear. Yeah. It, it, firstly, a uh, section I hope is not regular, but we shall see. I, my working title is Schoolboy Errors. So back to the Friday night game between Central Coast Mariners and, and Melbourne City. Uh, official mm-hmm. A-League's account uh, saying Roller Bardawi's first goal for the Mariners was a thing of beauty. It was a thing of beauty. It was a very lovely dink finish over an unrushing keeper. One slight problem it was a second goal for the club. First goal for the club came against Brisbane Raw and a very nice header. So he's I I'd like this to be a one-off. I in terms of these basic errors being made by accounts that should know better. Not optimistic about my chances. Neither is Emma, judging by the tired expression on her face and the way she's shaking her head. But that just just really irritated me. They did delete that, so I suppose that's something, but on. It's one, two. It's not hard. Screenshots live forever. They, is, is they all do. I can say. Now, some of the more spicy tweets. Um, uh, uh, I don't know, do you have any particular takes about 
the draft system in the NWSL, and specifically in terms of player welfare and effectively forcing players, people to live somewhere? Mm, yeah, so I actually saw, the first thing I saw about this was Alex Morgan, mm. the US national team player, captain, striker, uh, tweeting, mm. tweeting about it, I think, and posting about it on Instagram maybe, saying that just like she hates the draft. Mm. And she's right. I, she's probably, honestly, for making those posts, probably going to get fined by the league. But mm. don't think it's the first time, and I doubt it will be the last time. Mm. I don't, I don't like it. I feel like we have the draft here um, for the AFL, mm. but it feels very, very different, especially nowadays, because I do feel like players uh, are able to kind of say where they want to go, or like at least what city or state they want to play in mm. but um this whole kind of like blind thing happening through the expansion draft mm. is deranged yeah america is a like i know geographically we were talking about this pre-pod mm. um geographically it's roughly the same size as australia but population wise and as you were saying earlier like pre-pod there are a lot more places for professional teams to play. So you could be sent absolutely anywhere. In Australia, there's like six places you, you can go to, yeah. maybe, if my math is off. But there's like three, six places you can go to. You can go practically anywhere in the US. Mm. Um, and there's just a lot of... I remember hearing about it a few years ago where players have like bought homes where they were playing and then got drafted. It's like, okay, but their house, you're telling me they have to sell their house or they have to somehow buy another house or, or like, it's just ridiculous that people can't have autonomy. And I think it does the league a disservice because like you've embedded one of these spicy tweets, um, like foreign players are going to look at this mm. league and be like, oh, so mm. you're telling me that any day of the week they mm. can just mm. throw me out? Mm. No, thank you. Mm. Or like send me across the coast? I don't think so. Mm. Uh, yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. Now, um, that was, yeah, that was a very good point from Meg Linhand. Also, our second mm. Kieran Yap mention uh, against basically when you look at what's happening to women's rights in some American yeah. states, it feels unethical and dangerous to force people to live somewhere. So, yes, me and my yeah. male privilege had not thought of that. Kieran <laughs> not suffering from the same problem he absolutely <laughs> had. And also, like Sean Nahas, actually a coach in the league, gone blank as to mm. who he coaches. Um, so, but I don't think people actually realize the damage that is created by this process, referring to the expansion draft and what it does to players' clubs and those relationships. We should be protecting the league and not nine players per roster. There needs to be another way. So I think briefly, my brief understanding of an expansion draft, and I'm informing this from having followed American sporting leagues as a kid rather than actually paying attention to this. My apologies. But um, new teams come into a competition. And mm -hmm. so to kind of, because um, America loves socialism specifically in a sporting sense, they said, well, it's a bit unfair if they just have to um, recruit with what's left. So basically they can take their pick of the existing rosters in the league and then they can add rules. And that that's the basic premise. There'll be rules that affect how it actually plays out. In practice, it means that, you know, club existing teams are protecting their players. So North Carolina coach are like, Denise O'Sullivan, I don't think so. She's protected. And <laughs> et cetera for all the other teams. She is staying right she, here. She, she will stay right here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Was it Bay Area in Utah? Nah, not, not. That's a no. That's not happening. Mm -hmm. But no, yeah. thank you. But yeah, that's, it, yes, it's to, to your point, Emma, just you, you settle down, you, you know, you, you try, you like an area, you, you like the team, and then, oh, you're off to Utah? Like, okay. No, but, thanks. Yeah. I'd quit. Sorry. Yeah. Not sending me to Utah. Yeah. And um, also, of course, we're thinking about people less, newer fans of women's football, people less familiar with this American sporting tradition, um, meaning that players do high school, then they go off to college, the college sporting system. Uh, shout out to our friend Lockie France, who keeps track of all the Australians who've gone to this system. And then, then they turn professional, but it's not like how it is in Europe or in Australia. It's like once you finish college, you go into a big draft and then someone picks you and you got to go there. So 
hence why young Americans might choose to go elsewhere. But if you ask me why that system exists in American sports, I my guess is college called tertiary education it's way more common for people to move interstate for it that's at least what i mm. think about like if we were like them i when i was looking at a degree i might have i might have been i would have been looking at brisbane melbourne perth as evenly as i would have at um universities in sydney they just they just move interstate and live in dorms that's my understanding and i think that's why the college is so much generally seems to be so much more part of an American's identity than us. I'm like, I don't feel as strongly about the University of Technology Sydney as all of these people do about their colleges. But that, yeah. I think that's my theory. I might be wrong. Who knows? Wouldn't be the first time. But <laughs> so that's that is then uh, filtered into American sporting leagues, which and then it works in, say, sports where the US by far has the best league. So both men's and women's NBA, uh, as an example, football, not so much that's enough of that like, let's do more positive stuff no. karakuni cross praise uh jonas idaval uh, i love this analogy huh? it's another american sport and sport analogy a little bit obscure for most um australian women's football fans but i did like it karakuni cross playing in that deeper midfield position it's like when you get a quarterback in american football who can who's both good at throwing and is also good is also a fast runner she can par she can pass and she can dribble, and that's very difficult to stop for an opponent. I'm like, yeah, it's just like I think uh, how much of I mean, in her younger years, absolutely a playmaker, or if not a forward, Kyra Cooney Cross. So mm -hmm. deeper lying for Arsenal, and I like giving the technically gifted players the deeper lying roles because it means they get more of the ball, so we just get to see more of them. Yeah, it's it's kind of to me like her playing a lot deeper. It's mm. Makes me think of uh, Elise Kellen Knight mm. when throwback to when she was still with the national team. Mm. I always, every time I saw a lineup come out and it had her on there, I was like, oh, she's in defensive midfield. Everything's okay. Yes. And I'm, yeah, slowly starting to feel very much the same way about Cooney Cross, even though she's younger than I am. I see her on the team sheet and I'm like, oh, it's okay. She's there. It's also like it's something like I didn't. I'm not sure how many people would have seen coming, even in terms of the deeper lying midfield stuff, even three years ago. But yeah, it's just oh, yeah. a lesson out there. Your possession ain't set once you turn eighteen. Oh no 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 no! no. Like <laughs> no. no, that's like no. So, uh, I'm referring to our example of Katie McCabe, whose position is still not set and will never be set. It'll be just give her the ball. That's that's her position. Katie McCabe will do what she wants, where she wants, when she yes. wants. Yes. Uh, yeah. Late tackles, scoring bangers, and whatever else is required. Now, ah, Kieran's third treat. Uh, in, inspired by Mary Earps, the Lioness, the England goalkeeper, having a tram named after her in Nottingham. <laughs> Melbourne needs to re rename the pedestrian lights at Fed Square, the Kyra Cooney Crossing. Yes, please. I That's, would I, I would vote for that. I would support I, that. I that would be to me that would become like the main tourist attraction of Melbourne. It's just mm. you got to have a oh, big yeah. sign, a, a Kyra mural, perhaps like I don't know, two images: her in victory colors and her and Matilda, her and Matilda's kid. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. So there's got to be and there's a, there's enough buildings there some to slap it on the side of some building. And yeah, yeah, I from the time I first heard her name, I'm like, there's a pun in there, and I just yeah. can't quite think of it. And Kieran's using his back background in stand-up comedy to absolutely nail it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Absolutely crushed it. Yes. Now, my final very self-serving spicy tweet, uh, former Ireland international Claire Shine has done has followed a path that has brought her people great success because she's now working in Australia. She's completed her 88 days of farm work and she's uh, looking to start working in Sydney, which, free, which I did not see coming, but I'm very happy about it. It to a tweet saying, anyone want to hire me? I'd love you forever. And I'd say, and I'm like, Claire, I hope your future employer keeps your weekends free because if you want to still play football, have I got the league for you? NPL <laughs> New South Wales, you can continue the great work started by Julianne Russell and absolutely tear it up. By, by, please. Two things. I think Sydney employer, give her a job. 
Bob and then someone sign her and then Claire Shine Golden Boot has a great sounds wonderful. It does. It sounds quite yeah. Yeah, it's quite a nice ring to it. Golden boot, quite um shiny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I yeah. hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. But oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Thanks, Emma. But uh <laughs> yes, and also like the broader story about Claire Shine and I actually did recommend her book. I have to turn around at my bookcase because of scoring goals in the dark. It's about her about her battles with, you know, substance abuse and all these other things. And like it's great to see her living her best life because she's had a lot of really tough times, but she looks to mm. come out the other side. Now just um brief signing news both for Canberra. Oh, yeah, I mentioned you know, Canberra signing the American defender Sarah Clark, also signing Lillian Skelly from the Junior Matildas. So that that it furthering our point about them being a very young team, but well done to Lillian Skelly and uh also Great to see another player playing signed from what I joke, somewhat jokingly called the greatest league in the world, the New South Wales Second Division, or called as known known as Football New South Wales League One for some reason, but whatever. But no, also um, she played for Southeast Phoenix down in regional New South Wales, so kind of down past Wollongong. It's an area with a very small player pool, so I'm glad to see someone has gotten noticed from there. Uh briefly, I've got well, like maybe I'll do the. Aussies abroad scores in the pod notes. Maybe I'll, maybe I won't. Who can say? But did you have any big Champions League takes? Uh no, I didn't. Like, oh, oh Barcelona won a game. Who who saw that come? <laughs> no, the only the only take I have regarding that is that Barcelona's head coach is likely coming, likely moving to the NWSL to coach there, which will oh, be oh yeah, oh uh, Jonathan Heraldes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. um was the, interesting. Is there a quote? He's picked the NWSL in part because he doesn't want to doesn't want to play to against Barcelona. Yeah, that has a possibility like, of facing Barcelona, yeah. which is, uh, I mean, okay. Although in women's football, even more so than if you were to make the same decision in men's football, you are really limiting your options. Yeah, a doing... little bit. Like he's got like, what the US, South America, yeah. Australia, yeah. maybe Japan. which Australia and Australia may not be full time, by the way. Job, oh, so true. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm not sure how viable that would be for him. Yeah. But so, yeah, very, very few options. So and Jonathan, Chelsea's right there. Emma Hayes is leaving. <laughs> what what are you doing? He <sighs> does not he does not want to see Barcelona. It just like, he <laughs> does not want to see them ever again. <laughs> if I I'd love to we we can only be but so judgmental as long as it makes him happy, I suppose. But that is, yeah, it's an interesting decision. Also, mm-hmm. I heard this absolutely wild stat on the Counterpressed podcast, and related to Chelsea's uh, nil-all draw with BK Hacken from Sweden, Ivy Lewick's team, which keeps Hacken top of the group on seven points. Now, wait, are you familiar with the concept of expected goals? Yes. Yes. Okay. So BK, yeah, rough, yeah. XG, BK Hackend leading their group with seven points. Their expected goal difference, in other words, their goal expected goals, expected goals for their three games so far compared to the expected goals of their opponents so far, is minus seven, and they are topping the group on seven points. So, is that allowed? Is that it? I mean, it's it is something UEFA may need to look into, but they have. Are they are they allowed to be negative seven goal? Expected goal like difference XG? is that allowed? It it I that they they've just um converted unlikely chances and somehow not conceded through. That's you know what good for them. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> Actually, and that's one of what one of the counterpress hosts said. It was not Flo Lloyd Hughes because. I only recognize her voice. Sorry. But she said, she said they're doing this in the scammiest way possible. I have great respect for it. <laughs> like, sometimes sometimes being fraudulent has its place. Oh, God. Sometimes. And I respect that if it's if it's negative. If it's yeah. somehow negative seven, seven, but they're top so of... You should have a goal difference of minus seven. You are top of the like group. A, I'm really... Like, I'm bad at math. Yeah. Like, I dropped it end of year 10. Yeah. These, num- these numbers do not make sense to me. They don't make sense okay. to me either. It's okay. Mm-mm. Now, uh, I've delayed this long enough, but WSL. <sighs> I know you have very strong thoughts about it, but is there any 
Could we possibly offer you any kind of catharsis by talking about the North London Derby? <sighs> just, just no good. Just mm. uninspired, flat. And to do it in front of Ange as well. Oh, just awful. Zero out of ten. Do not recommend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like they had at one point late in the game, they'd had 23 shots. Arsenal had had 23 shots to four of Spurs. What is going on? Where's that? There's this gif or video of Leah Williamson where she's like, I heard we had 46 shots on goal and no goal scored. And everyone, everyone's doing shooting practice tomorrow. <laughs> like I hope, I hope that's what they were doing mm. at Arsenal. I hope they immediately went back to the training pitch and all just started doing shooting drills. Ugh. Awful. And also it felt like such a waste of beating yeah. Chelsea. Like you beat Chelsea for one and then you lose 1-0 to Tottenham, who in previous games have been absolutely battered 4-0, 7-0. Like, we've lost control of the narrative, guys. Mm. Oh, I don't feel any better. But I also don't feel worse. So, <sighs> it's. I mean, it could have been 2-0, except at the very end, Rosella, uh, with... Manuel Zinsberger up for a corner whereas they threw the kitchen sink on it. Then they counted. There was no one in the Arsenal goal. Brazil and I could have shot. She just kept running and kept running and kept running and got tackled by Chloe Lacasse, which was uh, just... Chloe Lacasse in an Arsenal red and white. Incredible. Yeah. In any other colours? In Canadian red? Oh. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. I thank you for my life, Chloe Lacaz, in not letting us get humiliated 2-0. Mm. Mm. What happened else there? Oh, Liverpool also won a derby after coming from behind oh. against Manchester United. That's they, they lost Manchester United lost yeah, control of that good one. Good for well. them. Yeah. Good, good for Tegan Micah. Good for Liverpool, you know. Good good for Tegan Micah. Good mm. for her. Mm. For the others? For the opposition, mm. it's a bit not very good at them. But uh, yeah, good for Tegan Micah. Yeah. Oh well, man. You know, it's not like there's constant question marks over whether your goal, your star goalkeeper, will stay beyond the end of the season. <laughs> oh wait, hang on, there is. Oh no. Um, oh no. <laughs> oh. Whoops. Well. It's... <laughs> uh, buckle your seatbelt, seatbelts, Man United fans. Also, Tegan Micah as she settles in at Liverpool. Must be comforting to be playing behind the world's most giant woman, Jenna Clark. Just <laughs> she is so tall. It's like, <laughs> like, like there was an early chance Leah Galton was running through a goal with Jenna Clark running, chasing her, and Jenna Clark was taking one step to every three that Leah was taking. It was just like, well, of course Leah can't run away from her. What do you want her to do? <laughs> run faster. Take more steps. Take more little steps. It doesn't matter. The giant is coming for you. Yeah. Yes. It's like, as I just love, and I, I also think of this when I see Louise Quinn from Republic of Ireland in Birmingham. Yeah. Football yep. has changed, but putting an absolutely massive person in central defense will never go out of style. It's just, it's so comforting. <laughs> it's like, we've got the biggest player on the pitch. What are your forwards going to do? Nothing. Thank you. Oh, you want to score a header off a corner? No. <laughs> no, you will not. No, but it does make you feel bad when it does happen. Yeah. Because it's like, where were the tall people, guys? <laughs> We have them. Where were they? Elsewhere? Ah, uh, Courtney Brosnan saved a penalty from Bunny Shaw. Impressive. And then Bunny Shaw was Damn. must have gotten so mad because then she converted <laughs> two way more difficult chances and then scored and then ended up scoring a perfect hat trick. So yeah, they, 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 I mean bad weekend for Dale's teams. That that kind of checks out for Bunny Shaw though. Yeah, like yeah. that yeah. Also, Leicester West Ham, Yanina Leipzig, the, the great saviour of West Ham, for some some reason almost dribbled the ball into her own goal. I don't know. I don't know what. Yeah. Speaking of losing control of the narrative, I think may, maybe the WSL needs this winter break because I think it's it's gone a little bit mad. Although we need a hard reset. 
<laughs> and then um Chelsea, oh well, Chelsea had their normal thing. Although Lauren James, the ease at which she can smash the ball from 30 yards. With yeah, Brophy, I saw yeah, that. How? How? Like it looked, she doesn't, it looks like she barely even kicks it. Like yeah. it looks like she's going to take another dribble. Yeah. But then all of a sudden it's in the back of the net. Yeah. How does she do it? The world may never know. Mm. Wow. That's um fingers crossed, at least from a Matilda sense. Of course she is English and hope and uh, they t- they tend to bottle it in tournaments. So it I mean I'm kind of leaning more on the men's side of things, but <laughs> hopefully it kind of seeps over into the women's side and somehow it may maybe they can be the new France. They'll just they have a stage of the tournament where they just can't go past. But I think that'd be lovely. Yeah, personally. Oh, I, I would I would I would love that. Just 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 to know just know how no matter how dominant England are, if there was a stage of the tournament at which they always got eliminated, that'd be great. And then Villa Brighton, I actually sorry, everyone. Sorry, Villa and Brighton fans, I've actually forgotten what happened in that game. But <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a late night. But wait, I will let up I should update at least that part of the pod notes. Anyway, what else was there? Um uh, oh yes. Um what Madge likes to call a lost Aussie, Ali Green scoring look, she took a short corner as passed straight back to her. So it was an Olympico in spirit, even though not technically one. But yeah, weaker left foot, and she utilized the win brilliantly. I noticed it was actually, you won't see it now, it was on the AGF Instagram story, but you could hear the wind as you could see the ball swinging towards the goal from near the corner flag. So Ali Green got, uh, uh, yeah, got, um, got, I think, a second goal of the season, and they're both with a weaker foot. So she's, and she's doing well over there. Um, not, not a super large amount of game time when she, joined in last season's mid-season transfer window, but she looks to have established herself in the AGF starting lineup. That's good. And she's also got Matilda McNamara with her, who plays 90 minutes most weeks. So yeah, that's it. And I think we're about ready for Queens, Kings, and Dempers of the week. I haven't missed anything. I mean, it's always possible. No? I haven't missed anything that, this week. Not that I'm aware of. Oh, that's, um. good. that's good enough for me. <laughs> now, uh, firstly, yeah, as... Unfortunately, Dale, as we said, couldn't be here, but he was kind enough to uh, provide a queen of the week. We like this and we like the third team, the referees. So Rebecca Welch will become the first woman to referee a top tier men's game in England, the English Premier League. That'll be Fulham versus Burnley on December 23. So she's uh, been moving up the ranks very quickly. And yeah, it's, uh, we like gender equality on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So about time that's, you know, uh, Women took the whistle in the world's most uh, world's most watched men's football league. Now, you've already mentioned your queen of the week in this pod, but go on, Emma, mm-hmm. do it again. I, I, my God, twist my arm. Why don't you? <laughs> oh, no, I have to. Uh, my my queen of the week is Rebecca Stott because she did my favorite thing that defenders sometimes do, where they get to a point where in a game they're either losing or just not winning and decide you know what if no one else is going to do it I will do it and she took it on she took the whole game on by herself and scored a brilliant goal from like outside the box I'm pretty sure like just outside it's an absolute banger Mm. so Rebecca Stott queen of the week she's queen of the week every week in my heart at least absolute icon I could get on board with that Welcome aboard. Uh, and uh yeah, another lost Aussie. Damn it. Uh, we, <sighs> we we could have can't had have it. All. Yeah, we, we yeah. Can't, we can't have, have them all. Yeah, that's that's true. That's why we've got to be nice and let New Zealand have some place. Exactly. So, they have to have yeah. something. And yes. Rebecca starts a pretty good something to have. Oh, it's it's more than something. They <laughs> and I mean they have given her a lot of caps, so they've definitely at least at least she's getting playing international football. I was gonna say, like that at least they know what she's worth, yeah. you know. So I I have a couple of queens and it is, you know, usual shout out. We love we love the Beyond 90 alumni. So firstly, Samantha Lewis, a finalist for this year's Australian Sports Commission Media Awards. Not just that, the only woman to be nominated in two separate categories. I hope, yes, heck, round of applause from Emma. I hope she gets way down with trophies. I hope she's got a, she's got a, 
check in. She got to buy excess baggage. I think it's in Melbourne. So she hope she needs excess baggage on her way back to Sydney after taking all the silverware back because the she basically is basically the only reason this platform isn't one of those things that died a short death after starting. I suspect because uh, she we, she did so much to keep us alive and and get this platform going in 2019. So yeah, we love Samantha Lewis experiencing success. Um, second queen, also a former Beyond 90 writer, uh, Liana Baratti, a big part of the Matilda social media team, named as a finalist at the same ASC Media Awards. And so, yeah, I mean, Matilda social media, it's just been great. It's been exactly, I think, exactly what we hoped for in the build-up to a World Cup, during the World Cup, and after it, they keep going with the good work, such as that graphic of the Matildas walking all over France. It's really Party good North. stuff. Yes. It's really good stuff. And... Long may it continue. Yes, both both the yes both both the graphics, both the great social media, and the Matildas walking all over France. Long may that continue as well. So I think that's it. So we're not sure because the holiday periods are are you know everyone's a bit it to avail is a bit unaware. We will try and get one more podcast done before the uh, new year but for now this on and on behalf of emma burke this is eric subihano signing off for episode 178 of the beyond 90 podcast wishing you all the usual things plenty of great vibes oh i've got it wrong let's try it again plenty of good vibes great coffee sick tattoos razzlers and most importantly have yourself a merry christmas see you next time